Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. In this episode, I interview Chris Ducker, who's the CEO and leader of the mastermind community called Upreneur, which is one of the leading personal brand business education companies in the world. The interview was originally recorded for the Brand Muse interview series on YouTube. So some of the audio isn't totally optimal, but I hope you'll forgive us for that and enjoy the interview. I'm here with my good friend, and I would like to say he's my mentor, Chris Ducker. Very amazingly talented guy. He uh, just the the drum roll of the stuff that he's done. He's the author of Virtual Freedom, a book on um, VAs, virtual assistants. He's the founder of the Upreneur Mastermind Community. He is the author of Rise of the Upreneur, his new book. He's also uh, written a book previous to that, Virtual Freedom, New York Times bestselling author. And he also has a podcast, uh, Upreneur FM. So with that, I welcome Chris Ducker. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much. Make me, you make me feel so good and sound so accomplished. I feel okay, like I we'll stop right there. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the interview. Let's cross it over. <laughs> so on Brand News Interview Series, I talked to experts in brand strategy and design and marketing, and you definitely fit all of those bills. And I've actually even used you as an example in some of my videos on how to do personal branding right and in particular, how to do personal brand design right. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit later, but why don't you give people just a kind of Cliff Notes version of the web of your career? Yeah, complicated web. Um, but I like, to, I like to try and simplify it actually by saying that at the very core of what I do as an entrepreneur is I'm just a problem solver. And that's what I think that we are all doing really as business builders, we're just solving people's problems. Um, and if we do it well enough, we're blessed to be able to put a price tag on it. That's what I always say. Um, but I mean, I, I started, you know, in, in the publishing business back in London in the UK. I've worked in the city for many years. I've only had a few jobs in my entire life, literally, like I can count them on one hand. Um, and uh, I've been very blessed to have a, a couple of very important mentors in my life that have helped me kind of, you know, craft my, my, uh, you know, my, my skill set as a, as a marketer, as a sales guy. Um, but yeah, publishing, you know, came over to the Philippines actually in the year 2000, uh, was, uh, working as a consultant for a couple of, uh, the large international banks over here, uh, helping them with their telemarketing and the local sales messaging and things like that. Then I set up my, my own, uh, firm and back in 2004, and uh, it kind of has just grown from there. So now we're a network of about three or four different businesses all under the same group. We've got almost 500 employees, uh, multi seven figure annual revenue. Uh, I invest, I advise, I coach, I mentor, I write books. I get to speak with handsome devils like you on interviews pretty much daily. And uh, I wish I had that. I wish I could do that. I, <laughs> I can't grow enough facial hair, unfortunately. Um, but um, yeah, that's what I'm all about. At the very core of it, like I said, though, I just like to think of myself as a problem solver. So you mentioned mentors. And, uh, you know, I've been a member of your mastermind community and you were very much uh, influential in kind of bringing me to the personal brand sphere coming from the corporate and agency sphere that I came from. It was definitely a huge watershed moment in my 
development. And you've been a real mentor to me and very influential in, in um, my learning this world. Um, and so I want to ask you about your mentors, kind of who, who would you count as specific mentors in your life that helped you through kind of watershed moments? Well, the first one was a guy called Graham Bonds. Uh, no relation to James, <laughs> unfortunately, because that would have been way too cool if that had been true. Uh, but Graham was um, he was a, he was an old school uh, army guy. Uh, I start I think I started working with him when he was in his uh, I think he must have been in his mid to late 60s. You know, this is your typical guy, city of London, impeccably dressed every single day. Gorgeous cufflink collection, shiny shoes, no matter what day it was. I mean, it's just your typical English working in the city, you know, almost semi-retired guy. He was one of the owners, directors of the company as well. And um, he, he really honestly was my first mentor. I mean, Graham taught me everything I know about sales, about marketing, about um, reputation and, and the importance of our, our reputation. Um, and he was just one of those guys that uh, had uh, just an incredible, incredible uh, impact on my life, not just from a career perspective, but also I think from a personal perspective, so like my values, like what I stand for and, mm. and that sort of type of thing. Um, in fact, actually, here's, here's a strange yet very real caveat. When when I found out that he passed away, I cried mm. immediately, whereas it took me six months to cry after my dad's funeral. Mm. Now, that's not to say that I did love my dad or that I loved Graham more, but we just handle that, that kind of, uh, that mourning, you know, very differently from one loss to another. And that was the impact that he had like on me, I think as a business person, it was that strong. So Graham, number one, second one, um, is still very much in business. So I won't mention his name because he's got a name. He's very well known in certain industries, but this was, this was the type of mentor where I learned all the negative stuff from, right? Like, so I look back on it, he was actually a really, really nice guy, really nice guy outside of business. But he was the most micromanaging, pain in the butt boss mm -hmm. you could possibly imagine. Um, but I learned from him how to not treat employees. I learned from him how to actually, he was, he was incredible with personal branding. Like he had a very strong personal brand and uh, and he knew it and he used it for good. Uh, but it was the way that he he spent time breaking things down and all that kind of stuff. So he's he's really, uh, you know, he was a very, very important influence to me as well. And I think, you know, there's there's even mentors now today which are not, you know, there's a lot of mentorship programs nowadays where you pay for that mentoring. I don't do that. Uh, I might hire coaches from time to time in my career, uh, certainly to handle certain problems or, or to come up with different strategies or whatever. But um, from a mentoring perspective now, I still have two or three mentors, uh, you know, uh, Dan Miller from 48 Days Fame, Michael Hyatt, Michael Hyatt Company, and Carrie Wilkerson from, I mean, kind of known as the Barefoot Executive, but now she's really just Carrie Wilkerson. Uh, those three people nowadays are kind of my three main uh, kind of mentors, but they, they're also very close friends. So I don't, I, sure. I kind of don't necessarily call them mentors, but they kind of are, they might not even know it. You know what I mean? Um, but I think really the other, the other one person that's been a big influence to me that I never met, that I never had the opportunity to see 
in person or experience in person was Zig Ziglar. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people are quite surprised by that. Being a Brit, maybe if I was, you know, 20 years older and American, they might get it. Um, but uh, I, I discovered Zig when I was 15 years old. And I don't think that there's been a month or two that's gone by since then where I hadn't consumed some amount of Zig Ziglar, whether it be through books or audio tapes or videos or whatever. So, yeah, they're kind of like the main influences and they they still remain, you know, very influential in my life today. I think that's really great to hear. And I talk a lot in my in my videos on my YouTube channel about constant learning, the importance of constantly mm. be, of constantly being inspired, constantly uh, getting out and opening yourself up to input, because so much of um, so much of what we do now is output. Right. We're always producing. We're always you know putting content out. But a lot of people have a hard time stopping and, you know, taking in inspiration. And so the ability to constantly learn and constantly be inspired um, is what makes all that output possible. Right. So can yeah, you talk totally. about how I, how do you how do you stay inspired? You do a lot of output. Right. So how do we a lot how, of output? Yeah. But I, but I have a lot of I have a lot of people helping me with the output, which is the key. Right. Um, you know, I'm I'm blessed to be able to have a great team of people that have now the majority of them have been with me for a very long time, so I don't even have to really even think for myself. They kind of just tell me what I need to do. <laughs> they kind of just tell me what I need to do, and I just do it, and then they get on with it, kind of thing. But I'm, but but you know, it's it's interesting because I'm going through a little bit of a transition right now uh, in my personal life with a move back to the UK because I'm so I'm coming from from the Philippines right now, as you know, uh, but I'll be back in the UK in, in two, maybe three months from now. Um, and that that's getting me thinking a lot about where my personal career will go hmm. moving forward. I'm certainly not going to be making any massive changes or whatever, but, you know, little things like, you know, actually being able to accept more keynote engagements, for example, like I turn down almost every one I get now because I'm in the Philippines. I can't travel 20 hours to L.A. or New York, right. I, you know, to do a, a 45 minute presentation, regardless of how much I'm getting paid to do it. It's just not it's not the right investment of my time. So um, I think there's a there's a you know, there's a lot of ways that you can kind of look at how you can continue to learn and how you can continue to become inspired or stay inspired. For me, really, it comes down to two or three kind of main staples. First off, I read a lot. Uh, we actually have 30 minutes of quiet time reading every day in my house. Uh, and that's for everyone. We all sit in, in, in the family room and the kids will read, me and my wife will read. Um, and then also at nighttime, as we're kind of winding down, myself and my wife will kind of take it in turns to read to each other, totally non-business book. So yeah, yeah. So usually when when we're when we're in the family room, I'm reading a business book of some variety, and I'll do a couple of books like that every month, generally speaking. Um, but then at night, it'll be I can't do any business because my brain goes into like creative mode. So it'll be either an autobiography of some variety, or it'll be a biography, or some kind of fiction, or something like that. Like we just finished Brother Ray. Uh, which was the Ray Charles autobiography. Mm. Unbelievable book. I'm a big Brother Ray fan. But even if you aren't a Ray Charles fan, that book, oh, one of the best autobiographies I've ever read. Super, super good. And so we'll do that. Um, 
And, you know, there's that. And then there's, you know, getting myself out there, going to events, even if I'm not speaking, you know, attending to learn and to network and to mastermind and and just being around the right people. You know, the old adage of if you're the smartest person in the room, yeah. you're in the wrong room. It's right. very, very, very true indeed. And I'm a big believer that if you are a leader or you identify uh, as a leader in any niche, in any industry at all, Leaders must continue to learn in order to continue to lead. I'm a big believer of that. And the moment you stop learning is the moment you stop leading with intention. And I'm, I truly, honestly believe that. That's, you make me think of something that's really interesting. One of the things that I loved about being in the agency business was that as a senior creative person, I worked with some of the biggest of the Fortune 100 companies, you know, P&G, Ford, Chevron, you know, but in very different categories, right? So I would be working with GE on jet engines and I would be at the jet engine testing facility in the middle of, you know, the mountains of Ohio where they, you know, That's cool. run 747 engines for 24 hours and they throw, a, they throw a frozen turkey into it and see if it blows up. Like that's the stuff that they do there. Very cool. Anyway, and then the next, you know, the next month I would be, you know, looking at motor, you know, interviewing people in a focus group for, for diesel motor oil. Right. So massively different kind of categories to food, to whatever. That's what I one of the things I really loved about the business being in the personal branding business and having your your uh, mastermind community. There's kind of the central theme of the development of the personal brand. But then what people are doing and what people are experts in are very, you know, different. So yeah. do you have that same kind of, you know, interest experience around the fact that so many of your, you know, the people that you, that you mentor are in drastically different businesses from each other? I love it. I absolutely love it. I want it. I need it, quite frankly, because I'll be honest, if I if I was, you know, the business coach of health and fitness entrepreneurs, for example, that would drive me nuts. I mean, I, I, I don't think I could do that for very long without going stir crazy. You know, any particular one industry, I think, would be very hard for someone like me, who is a little bit of a, a fidgety kind of creative sort of type. Like I, I get I don't get bored easily, but I get I get comfortable easily. And I don't like that. I don't want to be super comfortable. I want to be on the edge. I want to be thinking about, you know, how I'm going to do this or do that or how this problem should be solved or whatever the case may be. So I think the ability to be able to work with personal brand entrepreneurs like yourself from a plethora of industries um, is a gift. Mm. It's a it's a genuine gift that I don't forget. You know, I, I don't I don't take it for granted in any way whatsoever. One minute. I could be talking to a financial services professional who wants to write his first book after 25 years in the industry, which I was doing yesterday, or, you know, two days later, I can be talking to, um, you know, somebody who's in the process of putting on their first event in the public sector in Ireland. You know what I mean? So, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff, that, uh, variety allows me to kind of stay sharp, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. But yes, you're right. The defining factor is we're building a business based around our personalities, our experience, and the people that we want to serve. And that's the defining, you know, kind of uh, uh, 
identity factor, I think, for everybody that, that does identify with being a youpreneur, you mm -hmm. know? One of the things that I've always been impressed with you on is your the consistent the quality and consistency of your brand design that surrounds the youpreneur brand, the Chris Tucker brand. And I can only imagine that it never used to always be that way. And so, of course it did. Uh, no, come on, come on. Did. Let's peek behind the curtain. Come on, who's the guy that controls? So, but you know, I've done videos where I've used you as an example and had screenshots of your your branding uh, design on screen and said, "This is how you do it." You know, so you do it obviously very well. Um, so, and if anyone hasn't looked, go check out Chris's stuff because he does a really excellent job with his brand design. Um, but how did you get there? I mean, there's a lot of people who are just starting off. Some of them are designers, but lots of people who watch this are entrepreneurs who have their own businesses or, you know, are doing startups um, who, you know, yeah, you can buy a logo on Fiverr, but that doesn't create any kind of brand environment or ecosystem or, um, you know, visual continuity across what for many times are a lot of different touch points that people are showing up on. Mm -hmm. You know, how did you, how did you come to that understanding of that importance and kind of build that as your grant, your brand grew? How did you address well, I that? Think I'm, I'm okay. So I'm a bit of a weirdo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 so I come from a background which was kind of full of perfection Right. So my mother was an interior designer. Uh -huh. My father was a very successful London architect. Um, you look at the landscape of London, he probably had his pencil on at least 30 percent of that landscape at one point in his career. Um, and so. I was always kind of I was used to things being visually pleasing mm -hmm. to the eye. You know, the house was always immaculate and beautiful and all, you know, Laura Ashley wallpaper and all this kind of stuff. So I was kind of, I, I've, I've grown up around that. Mm. And I think that probably has influenced me a little bit. Um, but again, you know, I've also spent a lot of time listening to the people that I would class as mentors or friends and looking at what they do. Um, and, you know, I've, I've always had a good eye. I think honestly, I have, I've always had a good eye in terms of what I think would look good and what, what I think would be off brand for want of a better term. Um, but with that being said, you're right. It hasn't always been as cohesive as it is today. And I think the big turning point was probably 2012 where at this point I'd been blogging and podcasting online for probably about two and a half years or so. Uh, and I had gotten to the point where I'd realized that my personal brand, the brand of Chris was becoming more well-known and more respected and and just looked at than the brand that I was blogging and podcasting under, which was a brand called Virtual Business Lifestyle. So I kind of, I, I jumped a little bit on the four-hour workweek bandwagon of, you know, kind of lifestyle design and that sort of type of thing. And I was going through this this kind of um, morphing uh, kind of period of, of, of my life in 2010 after I burnt out in late 2009. 
And it was kind of like follow along the journey. I'm going to live a virtual business lifestyle. I'm going to be a virtual CEO. You know, you can have hundreds of employees and make all this money, but you don't need to be in the office 16 hours a day and all that kind of rhetoric. And people ate it up. They loved it. Uh, but I became, like I said, acutely aware of the fact that they weren't talking about the virtual business lifestyle podcast. They were just calling it Chris Ducker's podcast mm. or it was Chris Ducker's blog or, you know, whatever. And so that was when we made the shift in mid 2012 and we put everything over to the Chris Ducker kind of name at chrisducker.com and that was when I started to really think about brands identity and colors and style and fonts and all that other stuff that I know you and your audience geek out over um and yeah I mean don't go to Fiverr to get your logo done. Thank you. <laughs> Don't do Don't <laughs> my audience, my audience, thanks you. Logo done. Yeah. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year at BYOL.me forward slash Philip. You can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit byol.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's byol.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. 99 you get what you pay for. That's all I can say. You get what you pay yeah, for. Bottom, bottom line, you're absolutely right. You can get a few bits and pieces done, you know, you know, things like business cards and flyers. And if you're kind of at a, you know, if, if you're on your way to an event and you need something done real fast and something's come into your mind and you oh, that's that would be a great postcard to give out on the seats at the beginning of my keynote. Why didn't I think about that a month ago to work with a proper designer to get them printed, to get them shipped to the hotel? Bah, 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 bah. Uh, what am I going to do now? Then you go to 99designs and turn it around in 48 hours when you're in the air traveling over. Like I've done that before. But generally speaking, based on my experience of working with graphic designers, particularly designers who are really tuned in to brand identity and the power of that, you get what you pay for. I have spent tens of thousands of dollars working with designers and, and people that can genuinely shape my brand and my visual image online um and it, it it now like you say it's cohesive against across all platforms so whether you this is this is like the overall encompassing factor of everything we do from a branding perspective visually whether you visit chrisducker.com or you find me on twitter or facebook or instagram or linkedin or youtube or on a webinar or in an infographic or whatever it is, the moment you find me, the next time you find me, you're going to know exactly who I am and what I'm all about immediately. Because that visual kind of cue says, oh, that's the guy who uses all the dark blues and the dark grays and that really striking orange in his logo. You know, that's the kind of stuff. And by the way, that orange has been stolen over and over and over again since I started using it in the online business space. I was a pioneer with <laughs> orange. Up here. It's it on your original it's on your mic stand. Look at that. It's even on your mic stand. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, very seriously, I think, you know, we 
we spent a lot of time looking at that stuff and font choices and learning, you know, the, you know, the importance of having a really powerful, bold font at certain times, but then a slightly, you know, softer, maybe a script font at other times. And I, I think I've just gotten better over the years. Like now, I just, I've, I've even had graphic designers say to me outright, I can't work with you anymore. I, I can't. You're, you know, this whole move that 12 pixels to the left thing that I can't, I can't, I'm a pain in the butt. I'm a pain in the butt to work with when it comes to that stuff. Um, but it's because I know what I want and I know how I want it to look. Um, uh, but it doesn't mean that I'm not open to suggestion. I am. I think if you're paying somebody that kind of money to do something for you, you better be an open book to suggestions. But Absolutely. at the end of the day, I do know what I want. Well, know? and I think that, you know, just like, I was writing a, a blog article today about redesigning the Lay's potato chips package, which I did, right? This biggest food brand in the world, $1.7 billion a year, right? So when you when you photograph a potato for that package, it better be right. Because if it screws with that sales at, at all, like 1%, that's like massive money. So you are now a very valuable brand, right? So it makes only makes sense that you would be very particular and, mm -hmm. you know, thoughtful about what you're doing and how you're growing those pieces of it as you grow them, because they've got to reflect and, you know, and make sure that people recognize and remember your branding so you can be revered. So I think that, you know, you've won the right to be a tough client. <laughs> the perfect example of all of that, actually, this all culminated last year um, where we did the first Upana Summit in London, which I know you were there. And, you know, this is a live event. It's, it's the largest live event I've ever run. We expect it to be bigger this year as well. Um, and we have people from 37 different countries around the world to our first event. It's just, that blew my mind, right? But here's the thing. Over the years, I've become a little synonymous with the Union Jack. You know, I'm the proud Brit, hashtag proud Brit online and when we started looking at the design concepts for the youpreneursummit.com homepage uh, to sell the event ultimately um i looked at a lot of event landing pages tons and tons and tons of them and to be very honest with you none of them really blew me away i always thought that they felt quite disjointed i felt like a lot of them were very much off their original brand concept in terms of what that person or what that company were known for. Now they were sort of trying to go in another direction with this live event and it wasn't working. And I, mm. I, I, I became uniquely and acutely aware of what my superpower were. And, and that was, it was two things. Number one, me. People follow, I'm, I'm the person, I am the youpreneur personified. I build a business based around my personality and how I can serve others. So first and foremost, this is not an egotistical, you know, thing. Like I have to be front and center because people will come to this event, those who know me, because they know I'm going to put on a great event, not necessarily for the speakers, but they know my reputation, right? So that was the first thing, like I needed to be front and center. Number two, I'm a proud Brit. People know I'm a proud Brit, and this is in my hometown. It's in London. So we had to feature not only the fact that it was in London, but we needed to feature the Union Jack somehow as well. Um, and then the third thing, 
was just the no BS attitude that I carry as a business mentor, as a coach for my clients, for my students, whatever you want to call them, that needed to come across in the copy, in the landing page as well. And so we, we put all this stuff together and actually the, the very first, the very, very first uh, version of the site had London in, in big word, in, in a big, you know, big bold font. And then we had kind of like this little Union Jack sort of off the top of it. And, it, we, and tickets started going on sale and we started selling. And it was actually one of my mentors turned around and said to me, I expected you to really, like, I expected a big Union Jack, like a, a little thing, like hanging on the tower thing. I didn't, I expected this to be bigger. I've got to be honest. And I went back and I looked at the site and I was like, you know what? We're missing something. Yeah, we're saying that the Upana Summit is in London, but we need to sell London as a location more than we are right now. This isn't mm. just about the event or the speakers or me or the other, like this is about the city of London. We need to sell London way more than we are. And that's when we went back and re we, we reworked the logo for the event. And London is now made out of the Union Jack. Like you can see it in the letters and people love it. I am always getting compliments on this. In fact, actually, I've lost count of how many times people have reached out to me in one way or another saying, without a doubt, the best event landing page I've ever seen. And it's a massive compliment because we spent a lot of time and energy on that site, a lot of time. It look, yeah, and it looks amazing. And very much context marketing. I'm all about context these days because it, it, it's all about, you know, where the viewer is and where, you know, where you're showing up is how the interaction needs to unfold that you can't market to people or communicate with people like, you know, you know, on Facebook that you would on LinkedIn that you would somewhere else or mm. Instagram, mm. because context is really important. Not only the context of where you're showing up and how you're acting in that, but how what the people are expecting when they come to a pl particular platform. That's um, the big thing. Yeah. That's the big thing. Like we, the one thing that we found from all of the attendees that we spoke to um, and I've got my team peppered around that venue. This is not just a post-event survey thing. I want my team to ask questions to the people that are at the event as well. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of one-on-one -on -one discussion and, and, and exchange going on. And the one thing that we heard was like, number one, man, this was exactly what I expected. Or number two, this was way better than I expected. Uh, and that for me is it's it's big to get that kind of feedback. It, it, it's clear that we we hit the nail on the head. You totally did. And I'm looking forward to coming next year. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that leads me to one thing that I wanted to talk about with you. And that is a lot of the people who watch my channels, you know, I would say maybe 40 percent of them are mid 20s, mid 30s, starting off in their careers and designers in many cases, or creative professionals, and let's paint it more broadly, can be, uh, you know, uh, introspective, you know, um, introverted, but they also know the requirements of personal promotion or um, brand, you know, personal brand development requires a, a certain amount of 
extroversion or um, as I was talking to Amy Schmidauer the other day on her interview, um, uh, kind of omniversion, right? Where you can be introverted in some t cases and extroverted in others. But a lot of people find that, you know, you are naturally a sales type of guy. I mean, you exude confidence, you exude that sales kind of prowess, right? There are a lot of people who are creative professionals who don't. So it's not exactly the, uh, the most natural state of being for them. And I also know that there's a lot of people in your mastermind community who fit kind of that bill of not being incredibly gregarious or comfortable mm -hmm. in the spotlight. How do you counsel people to, uh, to put themselves out there and to do things that, in, that they may be uncomfortable with? How do you talk about that? It's a great question. I mean, the, the big thing for me is that un understand that the way that the world has gone in the last 20, 30 years, the way that it will continue to evolve going forward, the personal brand will become more and more and more and more important with every passing year because people want to do business with other people. You know, the big brands will always want to do business with the other big brands. But people like you and I, yeah, we'll buy these little suckers because we like Apple, right? We'll, we'll buy the AirPods or we'll, we'll buy a Starbucks coffee if you're desperate, uh, you know, <laughs> because it's a Starbucks coffee. Like we'll be brand affiliated, right? But we really want to do business with other people deep down. And so I feel like the power of the personal brand is becoming more and more and more important. And this is actually one of the reasons why I spend so much time putting on live events because I want to bring people together in person that end up and, you know, they end up going into business together. I've had at some of my events, I've had speakers and attendees become business partners. I've had speakers and attendees fall in love at my events. You know, the importance of bringing people together, that personal connection is huge. So the personal brand for me is very, very powerful. Now, depending on the level of comfort that you have for being center stage, I can work with you. If you don't want to be on video every single day of the week on YouTube, then that's okay. But understand that you're going to have to do some kind of video to open up that P2P or that people-to-people -people connection, whether it be just using this on Instagram stories or maybe it's uh, just putting you know, a, a, a two- or three-minute YouTube clip up once a week and then doing a Facebook Live or maybe it's a podcast. Like Put yourself out there. If you don't want to be in front of the camera, give somebody your verbal personal brand. You know, Give them a, a, almost like a – a window into your life and, and to your, your personality and what you're all about. You have to take center stage in some way, shape or form if you want to build a business based around you and your talents and your experience. You just have to. You have to. You know, if, if I want to get sponsors for a live event, I can have someone else do the legwork. But at some point in that particular journey, those potential sponsors are going to want to talk to me hmm. as the host of an event. I will close the damn sale. I know I will because of that P2P connection. Not because I'm a good personal, uh, not, not because I'm a good salesperson, but because it's the person to person connection that have, that, that conversation will bring. And it's very, very, very powerful. So if you're a freelance graphic designer, for example, and you're in your mid twenties and you're not feeling all that confident about yourself, well, number one, get over yourself. You're just beginning your life. You know what I mean? Like 10 years from now, you're not going to be the same person that you are today. Right. That's clear, yeah. right? So 
don't worry too much about it right there. Do as much as you possibly can that you're comfortable with, plus 10%. One of my most favorite exercises to do with audiences in person when I'm trying to get over the messaging of going the extra mile or pushing yourself a little bit more, and you, you try and do it in any way, shape, or form when you're with a group of people, it's so good to see it. You tell people, just raise your hand up in the, in the air real quick. Just raise it up as high as you possibly can. Okay, everyone, everyone will raise up their hand like this. They won't go like that. They'll, they'll raise their hand. Their elbow will be bent in some capacity, right? And then you say to them, now just reach that little bit further. And they will go like this. And you see all the hands go up by another two or three inches. That's what you need to do. Whatever your comfort zone is, go just a little bit further, just 10%, 5% further, whatever it is. And over time, that confidence will build. You might not be on, you might not be on TV every day. You might not you know, be you know, interviewed every single day or on podcasts or whatever. Like, but what I'm getting at is that people want to do business with other people here. And it's, it's a very, very powerful uh, thing. And you've got to put yourself out there. You just have to. I'll, I'll uh, repeat one of your – you have to be seen to sell, right? That's what you've always said. Um, yeah, seen to sell. So you have been uh, on the forefront of a lot of social media and marketing trends, right? I talk a lot about trends on my, on my channel, graphic design trends, marketing trends. There have been flashes in the pan, right? I, I'll, I'll point to Periscope, maybe, maybe even Snapchat in some cases. Um, and, you know, false starts or blab or things say this thing is going to blow up and then it kind of goes like a little sparkler and then it goes into the lake. Um, what do you see as and another thing I talk about is trends aren't seeing the future. Trends aren't predicting the future. A trend is something that has attained a, a significant enough usage and momentum that it can be recognized as something. Mm. Mm. What, what are you seeing that is starting to take that form, is starting to really solidify as a movement in a way? What do, you, what do you think? I mean, we've talked about video, and obviously I'm on the video bandwagon too. It's, you know, everything is going to video. So you can't avoid that, and I think you can't miss if you do it. Um, but what what are you seeing of are the most important vehicles now? Well, I think I, I, I you know, I think video is is the most important thing for creators, particularly online creators, online entrepreneurs, people who are doing business on the internet. Um, I think video is huge. I mean, Google have come out and said that by 2020, two years from now, not even two years, a year and a half, by 2020, something like 80 or 90% of all content consumed online is going to be in video format. Yeah. yeah. That's mad. That statistic is crazy, right? So I think video first and foremost is huge. But I will say um, you're going to get two very distinct different types of video um, coming out. I think first up, you're going to go real hardcore creative stuff. Um, you know, the Casey Nice deck, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the slightly more long form YouTube type vlogging, creative. Like there are some vloggers online now or just some YouTubers. Let's call them YouTubers on, on YouTube right now that honestly 
are creating TV shows for YouTube. Yeah, the production value is going through the roof. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and then there are other people like yourself who a lot of the time are just sitting in front of the camera and aesthetically pleasing, very consistent with publishing their content. They're gaining traction. They're getting you know, uh, picked up. They're getting featured. They're going viral, doing all that stuff right. And nine times out of ten, those people will actually probably win the game over a longer period of time than these people that just come out of one show that looks amazing once a week. Like I'll call that right there. Like I think the consistency is is more important than the volume behind that consistency. You've got to create, 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 create all the time, every day. That's like key, I think, when it comes to video. Um, and then I think the flip side of that is going to be the behind mobile. the scenes stuff. It's going to be the mobile video, particularly live video. So you, you mm. talk about Periscope. You know, Periscope was huge in 2015. I jumped all over it. I absolutely loved it. It, it found me a community of people that I never even knew existed for me. They found me. I didn't find them. That was the power right there. It was a damn TV show in your pocket. It still is if you want it, but it's just not as big as it once was. Um, but I think that mobile video is going to mobile live video is going to become way, way, way more important. I think also what I use things like Instagram stories, Snapchat, that sort of stuff for is the behind the scenes stuff. Like that's the stuff that I really get excited about sharing with my audience is the behind the scenes because that's that P2P connection. And I get people come up to me at conferences. I'll jump off stage after doing a keynote. They're like, hey, uh, you know, remember that story with your dog? And, you know, they just bring this stuff up. There's that connection there that they wouldn't have got if I hadn't have shared that mm. behind the scenes look. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I think so behind the scenes is going to be very important. But I believe, though, I, I truly believe this, and I've been saying it for years, your hub, your online home, your website, where you publish your blog, where you embed your videos, where you host your, your, your podcast, you know, your online home is going, still going to be the most important asset that you can and should be investing in uh, as you continue to grow your business. You know, YouTube could implode tomorrow. Mm. That's the harsh reality. Yeah. You don't control anything on YouTube except for when your video goes live. At that point, you lose all control. You relinquish all control over that very video because they could rip it down whenever they wanted. They can feature it or they could not feature it. You know what I mean? Like you lose a lot of control on platforms like that. Facebook, I see people growing businesses through Facebook groups. Oh my God, so painful. So incredibly concerning. What if somebody does something wrong in that group tomorrow and Facebook shuts it down? Mm. It goes your business. Yeah. So don't build your home on rented land. Yeah. You know, that's what I always say. Yeah. Now, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't use these platforms to your advantage. You absolutely should to spread your message, but understand that they could be ripped out from underneath your feet tomorrow. And that's why your home becomes your biggest asset, I believe. So trends, whatever you want to call it, definitely lots of video, definitely lots of audio, lots of podcasting um, and that sort of type of stuff. But ultimately, for me, you'll see me focusing on my website. You'll see me focusing on my website because that ain't going to go nowhere because I, I control yeah. that 120%. So 
This has been awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. Gems and value bombs aplenty, as usual, as you would say. So thank you so much for that. And I'm going to ask you one final question. Do you have a personal manifesto or mantra that you live by? I do, actually. Um, and it's funny you mention it because I just talked about it on Instagram a few days ago and the post has blown up. Um, and it's, it's a really easy mantra to understand and a really, really easy manifesto to kind of just pick up and utilize for yourself. And you can't forget it because it's only two words and it's very simply just show up. That's it. You show up every single day, show up for yourself first and foremost, show up for your family, show up for your customers for your fans, your followers, your prospects, your friends, everyone. Just give a damn and show up over and over again. That's my mantra. Beautiful. And they say 80% of success is just showing up, you know? It's, it's really, true, though. Because a lot of That's people don't thing. show up. I know. <laughs> and, then, and then these are the very same people that moan and complain and whinge and whine that they're not getting what they want in life. And I'm like, well, you know what? Watch eight hours of Netflix every day. Right, yeah. Mess around on video games all day long. Good for you. You go ahead and enjoy it. Go ahead. But don't moan when you don't have everything you want in life because you're not chasing it down properly. You're, you're expecting it to just land in your lap. It doesn't work that way. There's a saying that I, that I love, which is, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. That's exactly it. You know, you got to do something different to get something different. One of my favorite uh, Zig Ziglar clips up on YouTube, and if you type this in, you'll probably find it pretty easily. He's, he talks about um, uh, a business as a hobby. And he says, uh, he says, if you treat your business like a hobby, it'll pay you like a hobby. But if you treat your business like a business, it'll pay you like a business. Oh, so good. That is so Love good. Love Zig Ziglar. So damn good. But it's true. And if you want things to get better, you've got to get better as well. You there know? you go. Now that's a mantra. If you want things to get better, you've got to get better. So that's perfect. Perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Chris. Appreciate your time, my, pleasure. my friend. And next time it. we're going to finish up, I'm going to pull out my acoustic and you're going to get your harp and we're going to do a little blues jam on the tail end. Do that. Yeah, All why right? not? There's always, there's always one line around there somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot. All right, brother. Take care. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.